0: Well, hello, and welcome to the American Dream Factory podcast. My name is Nick Smoot. I am your host, and today I am a little nervous to do this introduction. And it's not because of my guest. My guest is a rock star. His name is Daniel. Um, he is an incredible human being that I am so proud of, and he's a an, an engineer. He's a developer. He's involved with artificial intelligence. Uh, he's a startup founder. He's lived uh, around the world. Um, recently, he was living in New Zealand in twenty. I think through the you know mid twenty uh, teens to recently twenty twenty one. But why I'm nervous, uh, as you know, is this conversation is always about how do we build the American dream in a more powerful way, and. Um, this conversation is directly dealing with something that I believe is damaging the American dream. It is destroying uh, our our GDP. It is destroying um, families. It is destroying companies, uh, and it is destroying a lot of people's lives um, and many many other things. And Daniel, um, it almost got him. It almost got Daniel. And what it is is it is depression. Um, And Daniel, in 2021, he'll share this with you, uh, attempted to commit suicide and was hospitalized. And we're going to have a conversation that's very real about depression, mental health, anxiety, suicide. And the reason why is because it damn matters. Uh, The number one disability in this nation is mental health. Um, There is a lot of data going on right now about what's happening out there and apparently just giving people pills is not working because it's not fixing our problem. We can't just pop a pill to fix the pattern issue. And the pattern issue is something much deeper. We are not in community. We are not focused on the right things. We are distracted. We are obsessed with social media and the news and all sorts of other things, video games. And we're not putting in the work to be people that we are proud of. We are not putting in the work to build things that we are proud of. Instead, we are lazily just consuming our way into the grave. And the consumption of all of this garbage that is floating around in society is literally driving us all insane. So my my main uh, comment is this, I hope you listen to this podcast, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you um, listen all the way through. And um, If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, get help. Call someone now. Uh, Get a hold of 911, call a suicide hotline. Um, Most importantly, don't kill yourself, that's stupid. You are a wonderful human being who has a lot to give and you're off the rails if that's where you're at. Um, Legitimately, you're off the rails. You have so much more, let's get you back on those rails. And part of getting back on those rails is finding a community that can walk with you through your journey and that you can walk with others through their journey. And that is what Innovation Collective is all about. We are a collective of human beings who are obsessively building lives we are proud of and things we are proud of that add more beauty and value to the world. We are inventors, we are entrepreneurs, we are makers, we are builders. At the core, we are all creators. and We are creating more awesome tomorrow. So join us in this journey. Um, Listen to Daniel as he talks about his journey with Innovation Collective as a part of his uh, kind of healing of his heart and his mind. And just know um, there are people out there that would love to work with you to unleash that better version of you. And it's not just Innovation Collective. There are a lot of organizations out there. So go get involved. And if we can help you in any way, get plugged in with us as a mentor, um, as someone who wants to come to the events, we use a psychology-backed process. And we've been building this for over a decade and helping heal communities and economies across this nation and building talent and innovation pipelines uh, and having a blast while we do it. So enjoy this podcast. Um, Please do listen all the way through. And uh, I just am grateful for your time and uh, be sensitive um, to other people too. be kind. All right, let's jump in. So. My main thing has been I'm super fascinated with the fact that you. I remember the first time I saw you, wearing a SpaceX shirt, I think. Mm-hmm. And didn't you did you work with them or intern with them or something or like just have a fascination no,
1: with them? Yeah, I just love SpaceX. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And and that was a moment. Where I was like, all right, I want to know this guy because like anybody who's intrigued with big things, tech, moonshots, there's something there. And then I remember you mentioned that. Innovation is like a therapeutic for you. So, explain that a bit more to me uh, from your perspective how how innovation and skills learning is a therapeutic, and like how did you discover that, maybe?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, when I got into a very, very, very deep depressive state, what I found was I would constantly think about things. And I would constantly dig myself into a deeper hole by thinking about things. And so I found that distracting myself with whatever I could at first was best. And so yeah. uh, I think the thing that saved me was Judge Judy, watching a bunch of Judge Judy on Ironically. Interesting. Um, and just because I think seeing other people struggling and seeing other people issues really kind of made me realize that, you know, even though I'm struggling with this, it, it not to kind of discourage my own uh, suffering but to say that look you know there's always going to be a worse situation there's always going to be a person who's struggling more than me and so I used that as a way to kind of think okay well since I'm in a crap position what can I do in my crap position and I thought well I like to see other people happy and smile and so programming is one way that I can do that and so I basically just distracted myself with as much as I could Reading is a big uh, savior for me. I got back into reading and read a lot of books, um, watching a lot of documentaries and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so, really seeing like. Did you
0: know how to code before this?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I learned, I started learning how to program in 2016, Um, started learning in a Bachelor of IT degree. Cool. Uh, over in Nelson, New Zealand, um, I would say probably about twenty percent of what I know now is, is from that degree. Eighty percent is from my from best, the real world. My best friend Sam. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, from Sam. And from tinkering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you were in New Zealand learning. Yep. Did, where did you grow up? Uh, so I'm actually born and raised in Spokane. Cool. Uh, I was born at Sacred Heart. I lived here. We were originally from Otis Orchards. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents moved to Liberty Lake. Uh, originally, we were going to move to New Zealand, but we moved to Liberty Lake around, I think, 2006-2007, during cool. the GFC. Um, and then 2012 rolled around, my mom had a bit of a breakdown, and so wanted a change of scenery. My stepdad's from New Zealand, and his dad was kind of on his last years, and so we wanted yep. to go and support him. And so we went to New Zealand in 2012, I was 16, and have been there for nine years. And then I moved back due to my depression.
0: Are you, is your family still in New Zealand?
1: No. Uh, so my mom moved back uh, two years before I did to okay. be with her dad for the last couple of years because he's uh, suffering from Parkinson's. And okay. so he's kind of on his, not. I wouldn't want to say his last last few years. He's, he's doing a lot better than he was. Um, sure. But she wanted to come back and spend time with him. And my stepdad wanted to be with my mom, so he moved back with her. And so
0: and you, when did you start, a couple things. Sounds like you said your mom had like, a, she was struggling with something. hmm um, so is mental health or depression, is that something that you've seen as a pattern in your family? And how old were you when you realized, Hey, I battle, uh, with
1: these patterns or cycles myself. Um, so I wouldn't say that my family is clinically depressed. Like I wouldn't say that we were depressed yeah. from the get go. Um, yeah. I would say that my, my depression is definitely situational. I feel like I have some regrets that I can't resolve. And so I don't really, uh, like, Do you still battle with those? Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, so I had a relationship end, and you know I, I get that you can always start a new relationship, but I feel like the things that were the reasons why the relationship ended uh, are things that I can't really fix unless I'm in a relationship, if that makes sense. Oh, that's like, interesting. Uh, So like, communication is something that I struggle with a lot. You don't really need to be in a relationship to work on communication, but you can't really communicate some things in a typical relationship. So there are some things that you have to be in a relationship to be able to work on. Um, And so I feel like uh, I'm in a kind of limbo state where people are like, work on yourself, work on yourself. Uh, But I'm like, there's a lot of things wrong with the world, so I need to work on this. And so I'm kind of in a limbo state where people keep telling me to work on myself and I do understand I need to work on myself but I feel like I can either do one or the other I can't do both unfortunately and so I'd rather like I think a a lot of things are struggling in the world that
0: I think the more you throw yourself into that as well so I'm fascinated with this idea that when you can find your muse um, or your your just your compelling life's mission and a lot of times it comes back to The fabric that makes you you and that is the stories you've told yourself your genetic family of origin you have these bents that make your your genetic code your narrative of family your life experiences that stack into this unique thing that's you and in those you have these different strands that bind together to make this cord that is you but those strands are each often pain um, or stories that you do share with other people no one has the exact same combination as you but the, the strands are shared ones mm-hmm. and if you can start to work on solving one of your strands by helping the world as well which is typically where they kind of stand as your hurt becomes your power you know, in some way yeah. uh, your solutions can help many others and you can lose yourself to that or quote unquote find yourself it depends on the the paradigm you like to look at it through Mm. I like the phrase lose yourself to something because often people are in their own heads and so you can kind of go into that flow state is losing yourself or find yourself it really you know I found my authentic me in doing this however you want to frame it but the important thing is is that you have found that state where you feel at peace in operation Mm -hmm. and flow and and that's what it sounds like kind of what you're saying is you do work on yourself by uh, trying to solve other problems in essence
1: kind of yeah like I would say that I would say that now I don't focus on what makes me happy. I focus on what makes other people happy. Because if I find other people happy, then I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be happy. Sure. And so, like, I'm not trying to find happiness in other people's happiness. I just want to leave behind a better world than I found it, if that makes sense. Yep. And I understand that I'm in a very unique situation where, you know, I'm literally the child of a person who achieved the American dream my grandparents were dirt broke poor. They actually used their tax returns to pay their tithing at church instead wow. of putting windows in their in their house, which, you know, my house, their house was built by my granddad. So everything, you know, uh, coming from completely dirt poor to, you know, my mom is a manager for a uh, multinational software company. And she's always been in management roles ever since I've, I've been around. But, you know, she had to work work her way up obviously and i think that that's what drives me to not just end it right away is i feel like one i have a lot of things that i have to pay back like my parents have given me a lot of opportunities more than i could ever thank them for and so part of part of that thank you is i want to retire them which is why Hmm. i'm doing this startup good for you um and the other part is uh like i i I like to think about when your perspective is, not what your perspective is. And so like, I like to think about, you know, what's happening in five, ten years, what's happening in fifty, a hundred years, what's happening in a thousand, two thousand years. And so I'm trying to think of things now that I can put into place that will help humanity get to that thousand year mark. Because unfortunately, right now, I feel like we're very close to a societal collapse where, you know, we go back to either the dark ages or even even worse. You know I hope that that's not true but yeah I think a lot of signs within the world um, like a lot of countries are struggling Yeah, a lot
0: of brokenness a lot of mental health issues a lot of mental health. so yeah. when you when you mentioned um, a, a couple things so one Uh, you mentioned that's why you don't end it when you reference that are you referencing suicide suicide yeah Yeah. have you struggled with suicidal thoughts absolutely Yeah.
1: I I don't like I'm not actively suicidal I don't think about suicide every day Um, but I live every day thinking that tomorrow might be my last day and so I put every effort that I can into right now so that good for you you know
0: what, when did you realize you were having suicidal thoughts or when did you realize you were in a dark depression because you mentioned being in New Zealand and you moved back so yeah. were you alone in New Zealand and your family was like away from you Yeah. so how old were you and
1: Yep, Uh, so I was, it was 2021, February 2nd was the day that we broke up. Um, It didn't really hit me until about a week later, because I thought that we were just like separating to kind of like have our own space, think about ourselves, work on ourselves, because I knew I had some things I needed to work on, and I knew that I had to be outside of the relationship in order to work on them. Um, But I think after a week, I realized that uh, I had completely mistaken what the conversation was about, and I realized that I had lost pretty much everything you know it someone was, you cared
0: about really deeply but... yeah I
1: lost my best friend you know it was a yeah. person who you know we, we were playing the next 10 years together we were playing kids together all that fun jazz and so it just like, it as, as a yeah, yeah. as a I'm person no, it's okay yeah but <laughs>
0: no it it is going to be okay and it um, you know but it does it does hurt and I'm sorry I feel. I feel better than I'm sorry. I feel for you, of of feeling that loss and the the weightiness of
1: that. Uh, I feel for you. Yeah, I just I just don't want anybody else to feel like this. (laughs) So if I can do whatever I can to, you know, make people smile or just get them through their day, then sure, that
0: makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how old were you in in that time? Is this the first time you felt depressed? Was then?
1: What was it? Uh, no. you, did you struggle before so, too I've had a slight bout of depression before that, and that was because I uh, took on a Cornerstone project for my school, and I was going to do an AI project with the company, and it ended up, like, I I really bombed it, and the CEO basically told me he didn't want to see me again. So it was a really, really poor experience. It hurt, too. Yeah, well, yeah. it made me realize, that it was kind of like that Dunning-Kruger effect. Like, I realized that I wasn't... Uh, as intelligent not intelligent i wasn't as capable as i thought i was sure and so that really like hit me in the face and that's that's really the first time that i experienced kind of a real depression how old were you there uh that was 2018 so i would have been 21 yeah. Yeah, so you're like 20 yeah so
0: like 2021 and this is the first time you know you're pseudo adult right like you're yeah. like 18 you're an adult quote unquote (laughs) but like you're kind of pseudo adult where you're trying on I have skills I have knowledge let me apply it and it it didn't pan out and all of a sudden you have this feeling of
1: uh, imposter syndrome
0: yeah darkness like I'm not good I I had a similar thing when I was uh, 60 it was the first time I felt hopeless I didn't know what my future would look like. And I literally went into my bedroom and just bawled my eyes out. And the first time I actually felt like a weighty darkness uh, that I couldn't quite explain. I've been sad before and like gloomy and bummed, but this was something completely different. It was like a, a, a sense of a loss of identity and confusion about what's next due to that. And, um, You know, I mean, it was one of the first times I felt that really weighty-heavy, like... Because for me, I had my whole future planned out around my career. I thought I was going to be working, doing X, Y, and Z. And then um, some people that I trusted um, had fired my mentor, and I lost my internship. And there was no explanation for it. And... I then the school I was going to was all intertwined, so I decided not to go to school there. So I lost. My, I decided that I lost my friend circle. I lost my at the time this mentor and one of my closest dearest friends, and I had multiple years planned for myself, and then it was just eva- evaporated. And I remember that it, it, I don't want to say it's the exact same, but I can feel you're saying about having this feeling of like your plans and who you are, and then it's like it's gone.
1: Like, in a, in a free fall, in essence. Yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, and the worst part is, like, before meeting her, I was perfectly content living my life being alone, because I yeah. knew that, you know, I'm I'm super nerdy. Cool. I enjoy programming as a hobby. I do my work in my spare time, so, yeah. like, I'm, I'm probably top of the nerds when it comes to nerds, and so, like, it was a miracle even meeting her, and I thought it was a miracle being able to, you know get into a relationship and so I think that I don't know it's hard because you know on the one point you know you don't want to be you don't want the depression to define you sure but on the other point it doesn't feel like I can really progress in life unless I resolve things and I don't feel like I can resolve things like I said unless I'm still in a relationship of that
0: specific thing that yeah. you feel like is a
1: yeah a pattern you have to <clears throat> You have to
0: test against again somewhere yeah and you know just to jump in um, you're a good-looking guy smart you're driven you have emotions and empathy and compassion and I can sense that um, you know there's a lot of those questions that do come up right like that after you have somebody who depending on how things end sometimes it feels like you know are you not good enough and Somebody shared this with me once, and I've learned to really embrace this. Is you know, hopefully, when it comes to picking a partner and mate, you know what you want and you know who you are. And if you know who you are, meaning the kind of person you want to be that adds value and beauty to the world, and uh, patterns and habits that you're like, I'm gonna hold on to these things. If you don't like it, then we're, just, we're not made for each other. And once you know those like things about being the king of the nerds, like you're saying, you're like, I like to do these hobbies. And If you can't accept me for these things, I'm a whole lot of these because these are me. These are my non-negotiables. And hopefully your partner knows the same. And then as you explore the, the initial phases with each other, if that person decides you're not appropriate, hopefully it's a more mature conversation saying, hey, I've realized I need these things. And then you can explore, can you provide those? And if it goes against your non-negotiables you start to lose yourself, That's the moment you can look at that person and say, I can't give you these things. And we've tried for a few months. I've explored options. So I appreciate you. I love you. And maybe it's, you know, you have the different types of love. It's friendship love. It's an unconditional love for someone that you just care deeply about and you want the best for. And then there's that erotic, romantic love. And you can still hold on to friendship and like, support of another and give up the erotic, which sounds weird. But that's a mature relationship,
1: right? Everybody needs friends. Yeah,
0: and it can even be someone you've had those, those emotions with. In an ideal scenario, you learn how to stack those appropriately with individuals at appropriate times. And, and ideally, as you're getting to know a new partner, maybe you're playing in that friendship first, that deep, unconditional love second, maybe mixed in with the erotic, that romantic that kind of flows into one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my, my point in saying that um, you have that value is, I don't know how that relationship ended, but in an optimal world, you know you know that you have that value and you will be seen for it especially the more you're involved in community and the more that you you know value yourself and, and you know stand out um, i think people will will value that in you too as a, a co- contributor of the tribe because i think in relationships in particular we look for people uh, if we know it or not that we look at and we say wow i want to make a family with that person and Often we look for somebody that we believe um, can provide and protect and contribute uh, to the tribe around us, and when we feel like we lose that, sometimes we feel like we don't belong. Like you were kind of saying, so, so I want to I want to get into something. Like when was the first moment? You like, know, wow, this is dark and scary. Like I, I'm actually I don't want to live. Like was this in New Zealand?
1: Yeah. Um, well, so I've actually been met, hospitalized against my will. Cool. Um, so. Yeah, after that first week was really when I started to realize that things weren't going to get fixed and life, like I said, you know, I, I think about things in terms of 5, 10 years, 50, 100 years, and so I couldn't imagine myself living the next 50, even 20 years, you know, waking up and going back to sleep alone. Yeah. It's very terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. It's a very scary thought. Um, but uh, my birthday, um, which is April 12th, um, my birthday cool. was when I. It's when, coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the first time that I communicated that I was going to kill myself to my mom, and she called the. Um, uh, the right uh, supports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got hospitalized. Good. Um, yeah, uh, and in New Zealand it's 15 days mandatory observ- uh, observation period Good. which is living hell I mean every 15 sure. minutes they're coming in and checking you with a plasma so. um, but yeah I would say that it was helpful because you know obviously people get to a certain point where they can't make rational decisions on their own so somebody yeah. else has to make the decision for them
0: yeah I mean we're in such a so my, my belief is if we look at the food we eat if we look at the, the subsidies governments provide for food so like Cheetos right do you know Cheetos are actually made from cattle feed
1: I did not know Shit
0: that do, not. <laughs> wow. um, do the research it's absurd so it was like the waste of creating cattle feed and someone wanted to figure out ways to optimize cattle feed so like well
1: no way we can dip it in
0: cheese here we go and so like wow. the, the food we eat the subsidies our government gives to certain foods um Which I think is well-intended, right? They just want to feed everybody. And then the private sector is like, let's make it more addictive. (laughs) (laughs) Let's try this thing with like this coding because people eat more of it. I mean, it's it's perverse incentives. I don't really, Mm. we can blame people, but really the person to blame is ourselves, right? The, The man in the mirror. So like we look at the food we eat, look at the built environment. So housing and how we live, we live alone in boxes. Look at our content and our media, we have, literally give them free reign of our brains to systems that are are strip mining our dopamine and our feeling of contribution and value and significance and they become addiction loops that make us feel insignificant lacking in purpose and we we spin our wheels so uh, food um, environment, environment uh, and then you can look at education that ramps you up for what purpose
1: right it, it Working in factories.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, where are we really learning these skills? Uh, you have all these things that stack into a pretty scary machine mm. that we're all kind of in service of. And until we can break free of it and take a step back and go, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, we, got, we have to give ourselves and others empathy for the brokenness a lot of people feel. The number one uh, disability in the U.S. is depression. And I talked about that and that's scary and we have to acknowledge with empathy that people have bad patterns stories they tell themselves food they eat, consume content they consume how they live all these things that, that leave us feeling hopeless without purpose we don't have a role to play we're not worthy
1: physically ill yeah, yeah.
0: mentally and physically ill the way we're like we're we're not worthy we're not lovable yeah. and the truth is the person that you're creating in your mind and the person that you're consuming into your mouth and the, the stack of nutrients, you're absolutely right. You are not worthy. You're murdering yourself. And so when we start thinking of it that way, of like this feeling of I, I, this is not worthy mentally, physically, the story that I'm telling myself, that person isn't worthy because that person isn't alive. You're already dead, right? Like we're already in this mode of zombie. And so the question becomes wait 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 what knobs do we need to turn on food we consume stories we tell ourselves content we consume and how do we use our time to start to move towards a lifestyle that is alive and living and manifesting next steps of worthiness and doing the hard work it takes to learn new skills be in community show our tribe we care maybe with a little trembling realize i'm not that ugly and I, I am accepted and someone might want to like spoon me someday <laughs> like, as silly as that sounds like being held again by someone who sees you as that value that's like a big loop man and and it is I can feel it with you and I, and I appreciate your vulnerability by the way um, because I can tell it—it it is a wound man it's from 21 right 2021 it's like not that long ago and the truth is is that feeling of like i'm not worthy a is a lie um and now there's this story that you fight against that kind of runs in another loop over here that is from a relationship that that you feel that didn't match here that you don't feel worthy but because it wasn't a match there it doesn't mean you're not worthy and i love watching you do the work because you are worthy and i see you in our community and the role you play and the wisdom that you're sharing in the AI meetups that people appreciate the questions you ask um, and how, how it's beautiful because <clears throat> you're not alone um, not only physically you're not alone but how many other people are fighting this battle of like will I choose to be uh, the walking dead that that I don't feel like my life is worthy and the truth is the stories you tell the food you consume it's, it's not worthy it's not alive or will I start to move in this path of I am, I am alive um, so if, if I could ask like when you think about okay so you move back in 21 after you got to the hospital August of 21 August of 21 and you now see as a part of your routine of getting your, your, your mental loops and your physical showing up and presence Part of that is what you are doing through your entrepreneurship and through innovation and through even what you found with Innovation Collective and kind of the community so unpack that a bit because the reason why I ask is I have been for years obsessively building Innovation Collective as a human flourishing platform and I don't know if I've shared this but how it started was over 11 years ago during the Occupy movement. Occupy Wall Street? Yes. Okay. And so here's why. (laughs) I grew up in a small town. My dad was a mechanic. Uh, My mom was a pharmacist tech, very lower middle class family. Um, And I enjoyed my childhood, but we didn't have like everything, but we had enough, right? Um, And I then found my way into leadership roles and into eventually from nonprofit world into the startup and business world and then eventually ended up being asked to join a think tank called the Milken Institute in Santa Monica and as an entrepreneur I had exited two companies and was now kind of in this inner circle to where I spoke at some of the first you know tech big tech conferences in LA for startup scene and got to know Sand Hill Road crew of all the VCs in Silicon Valley Peter Thiel and all them. Didn't them. I don't know oh. Peter yet. I would love <laughs> to meet yet. Peter. That's the key word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but found my, you know, I remember the first time I was pitching at Sequoia. Thanks. And I walk in to go talk with these VCs about my startup. And I'm looking at the wall of all the companies they funded. And it's like, I know all <laughs> of them. I, like, I played with those companies as a kid. Um, and so it was like this moment of like, oh, wow. Um, or meeting the founder of America Online. And he's now become a friend and a mentor. And it's like, all right. So I'm on the inside of this circle now, little by little, to where I don't feel like the outsider. You know, I grew up in North Idaho. And I'm going to our conference in Beverly Hills, at at the Hilton in Beverly Hills. And on stage, Bill Gates, Carlos Slim, Tony Blair, Mike Milken, like all these power players. And at that same conference, Kimball and Elon were there, was at a small gathering with them at a house in the hills. And at the same time, riots are breaking up, picketing, camping on the city halls. We're getting picketed and screamed at. Wow. And I remember this tension. And I'll never forget a conversation that happened at that conference, which was, hey, if it's not good for all of us, and it was a pointing to the outside of the room and the people picketing and screaming outside. It's not good for any of us. And so it was this moment where the world was starting to go, wait a second. The economy and the machine we've built is wobbly. And I really believe that if you look at late stage capitalism and post-industrial revolution systems, our education, our built environment, how we do corporations, how we run our government, our social services, all these things, they're built to serve capitalism. It's not to use capitalism to serve humanity. And so our end game was we just produced more uh, items that were cheaper and faster. So we got cheaper things faster. And the result of that was we're mentally sick, we're in debt, people have cancer, and we literally made products that gave us cancer, food and hardware, but we all got opulence and we felt like we were living like kings. And we all woke up and we're like, oh, we we don't like this. And so then there was the rioting and then there was the picketing and it's continued to be this like "Mm." Mm. so my thought was okay wait a second i love entrepreneurship i love learning things i love dreaming with my friends i love seeing a problem and solving it and we do it and if we do it if we just do it we have fun period and so there's the joy of trying and the joy of doing something big and learning but then if it actually takes off there's also value for value exchange and we can share the equity and like we all like win together. And it's like like a pack of wolves running and <laughs> taking down bigger animals together, which is why the wolf is the icon for Innovation Collective. It's like, let's run like wolves. Uh, so I saw the Occupy movement, when I saw everyone camped out on these city halls, I thought, oh my God, there's so much talent there. There's so much magic and opportunity. It just needs accountability. It needs inspiration first. And then it needs space to dream. And then it needs accountability to to put together a plan and then hold them accountable to doing that work. Mm. And so if we can create the mentorship and the access to capital and the tools to do that, we could help all those people prepare themselves to go in front of the kings of capitalism and say, we're prepared for your investment now. We have an answer to your problems. Mm. And hopefully they experience the joy on that loop of dreaming and discovering what's possible, dreaming about their role, designing a plan, and then working on the delivery. Mm. And so Innovation Collective, which now the holding company is called ESOP Industries, okay. a better story is the tagline. So we're trying to help the world write a better story through leveraging what I would call modern implementation of capitalism. So it's looking at how do we harmonize people with opportunity with capital in a more efficient manner mm-hmm. so that it can empower more people to go use innovation learning through community as a, as a solution to the angst into our mental and physical health problems so when i hear you talk about using entrepreneurship and innovation creativity as a therapeutic it really resonates because that's my that's my like my heart cry is i believe in this as a a way to help humanity heal itself so tell me about how you fit it into your systems and and the why i guess
1: yeah uh I, i think that's a pretty easy question um so I guess uh, what led me to find Innovative Collective was uh, my eldest brother actually, he, he really likes this place. Um, but what I find very frustrating is people who talk about things are often people who don't actually do the things that they talk about. So when yeah. you hear a person who says, I'm making the world a better place, why do you need to tell me you're making the world a better place? Yep. I don't need to ask you if you're making the world a better place because I can look around and I can see that you're making the world a better place. I can see all the innovation that's happening. I can see all of the people who are so excited to come here and be a part of this. This is making the world a better place. And so that is really what resonates with me is people who, because like you often hear about, you know, the people who are actually doing things, you'll never see them because they're always doing things. Right. That's not always the case. Like, you know, you see, you see. Uh, some people in their in their leisure time, but those are that is most of the time. It's very true. true. You're people spot are, are most of
0: them are heads down. Yep,
1: people don't don't want to waste their time with with menial tasks. Um, yep. but I think it is also important for those people to, like you said, be a part of the community and be the inspiration. Because, like what I find very unfortunate is, I want to be like, yeah, we have Jeff Bezos and we have we have uh, uh, you know uh, Bill Gates and all these billionaires, but. I can't say that because what have they done for our society? If they were actually doing good things, our society I would assume would be in a much better place. Same with politics, You know, if a politician is doing such a good job, I don't need to tell you they're doing such a good job, I should be able to see it in, in reality, I should be able to sure. see it manifested. And so I apply it to everything in that, if you are wanting to achieve something, you don't focus on that, you focus on something that has that as a byproduct. Mm-hmm. If I want, if I want to have financial stability i don 't focus on financial stability. I focus on a problem which I can uh, provide a solution for which will byproduct financial stability and yep. so that 's what i 've been doing with my startup it, it, it's like I think that it's it 's like duty people who focus on trying to be beautiful are not focusing on the other parts which are just as important like you're you know exercising your brain muscle yeah. exercising your communication skills yep. other things like that so I think that it's very important for people like you who are actual innovators, who actually create wealth, who aren't just regurgitating the existing wealth in the in the, in the world, and who are actually taking that and putting it back into their communities, like the Innovative Collective. Yeah. And so that, that, I think, is probably the biggest drive, is I can always tell that you're making the world a better place without having to ask you or without having you to tell me.
0: I appreciate that and it means a lot and I think what's interesting that you mentioned and I'll tie it together to something that I think kind of hits on and as you mentioned many people doing the work they just don't want to be de- de- bothered, mm-hmm. and they stay heads down because sometimes the work they're trying to do becomes in conflict with helping other people because it can become a quote unquote waste of time or throwing pearls to pigs yeah. and why you know I think you mentioned Gates and Bezos. I think there's a disconnect between what they, their hearts are and what we see them do yeah. because we're not in relationship with them. Yeah. And because they're inaccessible they're to people. most. Yeah. yeah, they're inaccessible to most. So I think there's a, a feeling of like, well... What are they really trying to do? And we make assumptions. And so their worlds are built, much like you were saying, productive people often are not engaged with um, those trying to improve their lives or scale up. And I could have ended up there. Because so quite literally, um, when I remember after my third startup, I was like, I want to get into venture capital. So I had the option, right, to go the traditional route, join a firm or start a firm in LA or San Francisco, Manhattan, um, and I could have played that game. Instead, I wanted to see, is there a way to use capitalism, because I was inspired by what was going on, to create a more accessible approach to change. So I looked at what was the main issue for those who weren't mentally or financially or physically well in Silicon Valley. And here's what it was. There were circles of belonging that were exclusive. And the circles of belonging came from transactional moments. So you either enrolled at a specific university or you were employed by a specific corporation that did well, or you um, had an exit and then you were then um, accepted for investment for your next rounds. And so it was hard for others to crack into that circle. And there wasn't a system of belonging. It was a system of transactional enrollment And so I thought through how can you create a system of uh, economics and startups and places where you can work on who you want to become and what you want to create that you believe add beauty and value to the world as a process of belonging with different stages where there's different levels of time commitment so you can kind of check it out and different levels of engagement even financially to where now you want an office or co-working and then you can engage yourself with our venture fund folks and then our corporate partners for scale-ups and the approach was all right how do we create belonging for somebody who is you know um, just on the edge of an economic destitution and, and struggling also maybe maybe physically as well can they come in and grab a beer and sit back and go huh what's this all about and then discover and be inspired and go wow i want to be of that. And that doesn't have to be just some like homeless alcoholic. It could be a white 50-year-old male who sits at home and just drinks a six-pack every night and is like damn, I hate my life mm-hmm. and wants a purpose. And then can show up to this and start to find a community where he can belong mm-hmm. and have access and connection to inspiring people, which is why we built the system using human-centered design, and using appreciative inquiry, which is a, a strengths-based approach to change.
1: Is that actually a word, appreciative inquiry? Yeah, it's a word. I thought one. I came up with that. So oh, that's stupid. funny. <laughs> that's
0: funny. No, 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 it's okay. It's, it's, you're not stupid. Um, it's amazing that you can't. You you stumbled upon it, maybe, is a better word.
1: Well, because I thought, it, you never want to ask somebody for information, j- just ask them, so I thought you want to appreciate them for, for yes. an inquiry, so it's an appreciative inquiry. So
0: the, the process of appreciative inquiry is, first you discover, then you dream, then you design, then you deliver, okay. and so it's a whole psychological change process that we apply to citywide change, to okay. organizational change, and to individual change using our 70 events per year. Each of them fit wow. into the different buckets of change, cool. and have a positive core that the whole system spins around, which is an economic vertical, much like a Y combinator or a tech start. Nice. So we have here robotics and AI as core competencies. Another city is energy. And ag and other cities, the future of longevity. And other ones, the future of entertainment. So we have verticals that become where the system spins for economic opportunity. So I want to spin back to something, though. I appreciate what you said about um, seeing change, and you like to be a part of it. Uh, And you like to be in the building and be a part of the community because you get to see people making a difference, and you get to be a part of that team. Mm -hmm. What does it specifically do for you, though, when you think about your... Um, your combat of you know your self talk because self talk is a bitch sometimes right it's a real it creates fear mm-hmm. I think um, all of our bad choices come from fear
1: absolutely uh,
0: the fear of belonging fear of failure fear of loss not knowing yeah and, and it can lead to suicidal thoughts it can lead to greed mm-hmm. it can lead to um, trying to take someone else's power or give away your own power. It can lead to all these things where we're afraid of something and so I view self talk that's negative as us trying to create a foundation of fear versus you know what do you find through the fireside chats coffee and concepts the summits the leadership pathways the the festival coming up like when you look at the IC model what is it doing inside of you to play that whack-a-mole with like what's going on because I know what it does for me and what I hope for but I want to hear from you who you're like hey been suicidal struggling still got some wounds I'm healing here uh, and you know and I'm, and I'm an awesome human being but like tell me about what how do you use it to combat what uh, if that makes any sense yeah
1: um, yeah probably better to show you actually uh, yes so I I write a lot of notes
0: I saw your journal, uh, by the way, which I love that you
1: write notes. Thank you. Um, And so what I enjoy most is there's always an opportunity to learn from anything. Yes. And so I always – like I love Socrates and I love the Socratic method of coming in as a complete idiot and then trying to like – Play dumb. Yeah, play Play dumb. dumb. I love that. And so I find bits and pieces from everything. So like yesterday – uh, Dick was talking about like if you can dream it you can do it. I think that's a great a great uh, quote yeah. to keep. Adventure is the essence of life. Motivation is the key to success. Don't worry about something you can't you can do nothing about. I love it. Um, Timmy, you, you
0: have notes from other events you've gone to here, yeah, yeah. like all throughout this whole journal. So, by the way, for those who because if you're just listening, what, he, what uh, he just showed me was his journal and or his notes, and it's from an event that happened last night here where we interviewed uh, an inspiring adventurer that was the first man to fly around the world without stopping. He lives in the town, his name's Dick Rattan, um, and he was showing me his notes. So using the Socratic method, I think what I'm hearing you say too is you lead with curiosity, right? Absolutely. Okay, so yeah. what's this though?
1: So this is Kara Chase, her local experts. And so yep. what I really uh, realized from her is her mindfulness, action, and perseverance cycle. Yep. And uh, it kind of reminded me of, we have this thing in, in software development called the Agile Methodology. Yes, yes, yes. Where you do like sprints and stuff. Yep. So it really kind of like lifestyle me. Agile. Yeah, pretty much. Except um, what Agile misses is the perseverance part. So like going, because uh, t- typically it's run by a scrum leader. But yep. typically the scrum leader is the one that does the reviews and like tells you like how you're doing and stuff. Oh, I nice. think it's good to apply that to everyone everybody so everybody takes it on to themselves to say hey here's what I'm struggling here's what I here's what I'm doing well here's yeah. what I should here's what I should take on I love this. Um, she has like habit of consumption not action keeping uh, tiny shifts I love that. Jeff Spicer was really cool what I uh, liked about him was um, the I don't know what you're doing but I love you anyway hmm. he, he said that sometimes he doesn't know like what his kids are doing but he says the best thing to do is just say I love, I love you anyway, you anyway. And, and just say I don't know what you're doing but I love you yeah I, I thought that was really powerful because like a lot of the times I try to explain something to people and they're like I don't know what you're doing but like my mom she's like I don't know what you're doing <laughs> um coffee and concepts uh so typically like from coffee and concepts I, I write down uh things like your guys's build republic app um yep. biomining which I thought was pretty interesting so I'm, I'm really big into uh like waste management e-waste and stuff like that okay and so, tell me about but, biomining uh so th- uh, they were talking about using plants to absorb the hazardous materials of the Portlandain lake because apparently the yep. bottom of the Portlandain lake is completely hazardous and yep. so they were saying that you could use plants to absorb the hazardous materials and then you could actually like uh I don't know, extract the material from the plant so you could actually, like, get some of the raw material back from... Fascinating. Yeah, so I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, how to Negotiate book, Consumer Information Accountability Startup that Derek's doing with uh, with Ian. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jim Hammond, the mayor of CDA. Yep. Uh, I was really interested in the... Because uh, I had read a report from the National... The, the Education Department, and we're um, slightly digressing in education. Like, I think there's a million kids that were taken out of public school... Uh, high schoolers are digressing I think 1 or 2% in like reading or math and stuff. Not, like, it's just early signs, but I, I was just sure. interested to see like his perspective on if he thought education was struggling. He said no. But Did you ask him that question? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, this it,
0: is what I love too. So if, I, I want to kind of unpack what's going on here. So if I understand this correctly, a big part of why you enjoy the different environments is that it, it's good content that lets you play with your curiosity And that content and your curiosity helps you explore areas of interest, explore who you're becoming, and it it helps you kind of prop up yourself with an actual social community that's around you, exploring deep, meaningful innovation, but also personal growth. And and you have different pockets where not only are you learning from these um, teachers, but you're also in community learning with others that uh, have you found friendship with the others?
1: yep yeah, i've 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 probably made more friends here than I have in the past, like my entire life. So, oh, for real? Yeah, I've definitely met more people in the past year than I have in my entire life. So <laughs> that is so beautiful absolutely. to hear that. <laughs> absolutely. and, yeah, and I've, I've I've met some absolutely amazing people. like you you are one up up there, but everybody, there's incredible everybody here too. there's absolutely amazing people. What. Mm.
0: What i love about that too is like sort of jeff spicer right you mentioned jeff jeff is into blockchain he's uh, sold a video game he's building another video game company Um, cool dude single dad he shared his story publicly his wife passed away he's a single dad you talk about how he loves his kids and so not only are you learning from jeff like tech things but also like how to dad and jeff's a single dude and Jess trying to figure out how to date again. He, like, makes jokes like that about with me. And he's, like, trying to figure out that emotional side. And so we're all kind of, I like to say we kind of lock arms and we we will wobble into the future together. And sometimes we're more wobbly and we need the others next to us. But none of us are ever walking alone. Well, not only are we never walking alone, none of us are ever going to um, be perfect. And a big part of what we do with our curriculums, like the grade eight, which is our, our personal growth curriculum, it looks at your self talk, your money management, your uh, relationships, your health, okay. your community engagement, uh, fun, your work ethic, and the vision for your life. Those are the eight areas. It's a small group, and we just dive into those in discussion and best practices. Mm-hmm. Part of the goal of everything we're doing and the questions we ask in fireside chats is to kind of show none of us are as bad as we think. And None of us are as great as others sometimes think we are or we like to think that we hope others think we are yeah. that we're all just kind of like kind of garbage and awesome trying like, to make it through life yeah, yeah. yeah exactly trying to make it through life and, and I I've, I've jokingly said and I think it's so true is our goal should be is that we're composting not a dumpster fire
1: absolutely
0: because the goal of composting is like we're all like kind of heading into some sort of form of the end. And when we, let's compost like together. And like dumpster fire would be like if somebody commits suicide or somebody eats themselves into a diabetic coma or uh, somebody is drunk driving, gets in a car accident or somebody is jailed for life for a bad decision they made. Those are, that's a misuse of the human condition of being a creator of adding value and beauty to the world. And our loss of them from our system is a loss of beauty and value where you may create something that makes my life better. And so my, my inherent weird tribal evolutionary state is, I want to value you because you have magic in you. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And so like, let's value each other and let's get this magic out so we can help each other have a better experience on this earth. Absolutely. And so if we can do it right, we're all kind of like we wobbly together <laughs> as community. Uh, so I love that you, you get to express your, your curiosity around community good content that's architected in the right way and you have your startup and you view your startup is is in a lot of ways as therapy yes yep. how do you avoid so this is one of the questions i have i have been known to say that when building a startup sometimes it's it's a there's there's two things one is when i'm when i'm iterating on an idea and i'm tinkering i'm learning how to take my my beatings because I'm going to, it's not going to be perfect. And so if it's not all my eggs in one basket, a lot of founders do this. They'll like jump in. And this is what I hate about the, um, the transactional approach to startups, which means I'm going to pitch you, i am accepted and I've never been a startup before. And now I'm, I'm in the deep end. Mm. Our approach is how do we let people wade into the waters of startups mm. and experience the fun of creativity and ideas and Maybe learning to be accountable. It's a lot more work than people realize. Hell yeah. And that's what I'm getting at is yeah. so emotionally, everyone wants to tell you startups are awesome. And you see people on the covers of magazines, but it's like, well, let me tell you this. Some days you wouldn't trade what you're doing for the world. Other days you trade it for a warm diet Coke. Yep. And so my question is, as somebody who's at times struggling with the stories you tell yourself, do you find that the high highs of like today I wrote this code it's amazing and this happened and like, woo! this is like top of the game. Do you find that as um, hard when all of a sudden it crashes out and something doesn't work out? And do you, have you learned how to stay more
1: even and enjoy the journey or does it yank you high and low? Um, yeah. So I, th- I think what you are doing with your hand is a good indication. Everything is a sine wave. Everything goes up and down yeah. just yep. like business. Um, yep. I would say that the I guess is the question: How I separate my emotional state from the business?
0: Yes, because most founders don't know how. Yeah. And so how did you unpack that? Um,
1: so I guess in the same way that me and my mom uh, kind of view relationships in a business, we always say we're never mom and son when we're in business. We're always separ- We're always your business partner. Yep, we're business partners, and that cool. way it removes like the family aspect. Um, I think the biggest thing is not overthinking things because mm-hmm. overthinking things can lead people into very dark places yeah. um, and I think accepting uh, how to pivot and and like what to pivot or like how to pivot is a really important thing that I think because like it's good, it's what, good. what what, what, what I saying. typically do is if I hit a wall I don't get stuck on that wall and I don't let the wall get me down what yeah. I do is I think okay I either have to pivot or I have to figure out how can I scale this wall yeah. and so I, th- I would say it's probably I don't have time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> there's too much to do for me to worry about my person, like my mental depression. And Good. So that's probably like the biggest thing is there's like you got, you
0: got a purpose, you got a thing to go do. Yeah,
1: like yeah. I, I I typically have six hours of sleep. I typically go to sleep at around twelve o'clock at night. I typically wake up around six or seven. Um and yeah, from when I wake up to when I go to sleep, it's all just. What, what can I do so uh, I get to kind of relate it back to what you were saying I don't I don't take uh, bits and pieces from the fireside chats or the uh, meetings to help prop myself up what I do is I take them to help prop up the ideas that I want to leave behind so like uh with um uh With, like, Jeff Spicer, um, one of the things I want to leave behind is AI esports. I think the AI esports is going to be awesome, and I'm so excited for it. I love that Uh, idea. I've never even heard
0: of that yet. But I know esports, and I know AI.
1: Yeah, so the idea is um, you take the best of both worlds.
0: You turn it into a game of, like, how can you do, basically, AI alchemy as a sport.
1: Yeah. I love Um, it. And so the middle part is um, you have... So you have a human league, and you have an AI league, and then you have this little bit in between where you can have crew battles who actually build models to compete against each other. Love this. And so it gets you... It's cool because it gets you...
0: I know who I should show this to you. He started the largest ML hackathon in the United States. Nice. And he's a part of IC. Nice. He's one of the fellows. That's awesome. That'd be perfect for like what you guys That's are playing awesome.
1: with. That's awesome. Yeah, well, because one of the things that I, I think huh. is very important for the commu- uh, continuation of humanity is entertainment. <laughs> and I think that entertainment is you know, a lot of people like yep. playing video games nowadays. And so AI is, uh, I, like I relate it to like real steel. If you've ever seen that movie of, of like, uh, I
0: love this dude. There's so much I could uh, think about right here. This is a great idea. Have you talked
1: about it in coffin concepts yet? I have not. I've, I've got too many ideas. I've tried to get, i to get profitable with my current venture. Good. Uh, Good. But yeah. So
0: well, I, I just want to tell you this. Um, I know we got to wrap up, but a, a couple things in closing. One is, uh, um, thank you for being vulnerable and talking about your journey. You're not alone. I think there's a lot of people who actually are way behind you. And hopefully this is something that as you and I are talking, I'm learning and you're learning of how to like, not make it our responsibility to carry them, but hopefully that they can see that they're not alone and like, that there is a better way. but two, I want to have more of these conversations with you because I think your framework is really important for the stuff we're doing and the stuff you're going going through and exploring. Super helpful for me. I appreciate it. Um, and then the other side too, I just want to tell you, like you're, you are, you, you should be very proud um, of your journey and how you're choosing to navigate this space, and know that. As, a, you're, you're, as you're improving all of your skills and health and life and all these things, um, you're worthy and you are alive and you're choosing living things. You're choosing to live by how you consume time and content and, and things and you're spending your life on things that you believe in versus exhausting yourself, searching for purpose. And most people feel depressed when they're spinning their wheels and exhausted. And that's when they stare and pull on the screen in hopes that something hits to make them feel alive. Or that's when they play video games till their eyes almost bleed because they're looking to feel that pulse. And so you're spending yourself on noble causes and keep doing it, man. And, you know, put yourself out there at the right moment when you're like, hey, look, I'm single, ladies. I guarantee there's ladies who'd be like, you're awesome. Let's go on a date. And, and like, at the right time, I'll, like, look, I'm not gonna be your hitch, but, like, I'll keep my eyes out for, like, a girl who's like, hey, I'm open to dating. You know any cool nerds? Be? Yes, I do. And you'd be amazed how many people have like gotten married through Innovation Collective as well. So uh, we'll find you a spooning partner. Uh, no promises, but i like, will see what we can do.
1: Um, well, to add to yeah. that, I, w- I would just say um, I love Shakespeare in that uh, one of the things that he says is to be or not to be. That is the question. And I think we all answer it by living. You know, by choice. We, we all choose to be. Um, and I would also say that it is impo- the reason why I tell people that I'm depressed now is because I want to change how we view mental health. Mm-hmm. Mental health is not a bad thing. Mental yeah. health is a part of everybody's life. Sigmund Freud says that everybody experiences neurosis in yeah. some point of their life, yeah. um, and I think that it's important for people to feel confident and comfortable to be able to talk. Because yeah. a lot of the times, guys, guys are like, "I don't talk about my feelings," you know, "I don't cry in public." And it's not that I cry in public all the time, but like, you know, I, I feel, I don't feel uncomfortable being able to be vulnerable. And I I wish that other people start to feel that way. And so that's why I tell people. Get out from behind the veil. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. You can't change a problem unless you admit there is one. Amen. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, man.
0: And that is a wrap. Uh, I am so grateful for Daniel. What a cool human being and the courage he has to talk about his journey. Uh, His journey is not over, nor is yours. Um, You know, you can read about Wall Street executives, um, people with billions of dollars who had everything going on, and then they find themselves in a deep, dark corner. Um, Depression and suicide is real. And uh, I really hope that we all start to realize it is high time that we get back into community and we realize that social infrastructure and social capital and connections and community and belonging are powerful antidotes for the hopelessness we have found ourselves in. It is time that we look at economics and education and building cities and companies, less about transaction and values of money, dollar amounts. And we look at it more as a process that we are doing this because it is for us to flourish as people. This isn't about distribution of wealth. This is about helping everyone have a seat at the table where they're held accountable and they hold others accountable to contributing the greater version of themselves. We are never done. We will have dark days where we need a nap and we need to drink more water. But on those dark days, I hope that you start to find yourself surrounded by people who kind of poke at you and tell you to get back up because there's nothing worse than being alone. And I am proud that Daniel shared his story, and I am proud of the work we do at Innovation Collective, where we get to work with people all across this nation and even around this world to help people understand that community built around economic growth and skills learning can be a very powerful tool to help people belong to a movement greater than themselves and to find themselves smiling at who they're becoming and what they're creating versus sitting at home feeling hopeless and watching another episode of Netflix. So get involved with innovationcollective.co. Come to one of our festivals coming up. We have three, Texas, Florida, and Idaho across April and May, um, covering the future of robotics and AI, the future of ag, space, and energy, the future of longevity, aging, and death, We have speakers across all those topic areas and mentors coming from large corporations, Um, John Deere, NASA, ADP, Um, we have venture capitalists, we have startups that are building autonomous lawnmowers, Um, we have startups that are turning um, people you love that have passed on into diamonds, people building caskets um, that are these custom cool caskets with TV shows, and there's these festivals happening in community all across America. And the focus of the other 70 events per year, per community that we deploy, is that we're starting to build back social infrastructure in these physical infrastructures that we have forgotten. These were built for us to thrive, not built for us to transact. Thank you. Please rate this. Please share it. And please go build the tomorrow you want through a community today.